Hello there, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Messy Middle Podcast slash Docless Fitness YouTube. As always, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast streaming service, go ahead and hit subscribe, rate, and review. Rave about how much you love the Messy Middle Podcast or the content here today. Or if you're on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, pretty please, and hit like and leave me a comment if you learned something or what you think about today's topic or anything like that. And if you really love my content, you'll go to the opposite platform and do the same thing. So today I want to talk about something that um, is a little bit more related to body change and body composition and, you know, the conversation around performance versus aesthetics. And so I want to give the disclaimer that I know a lot of people know me as the like performance focused only person and I don't talk a lot about improving or changing body composition or you know general advice or guidance around that so again I've never been against it but it's not usually the focus of my content but I do want to give you an option today that if you're sensitive to that topic you don't want to talk about it you're going to be disappointed and want to yell at me for talking about this topic then you can just go to the next episode or I will catch you on the next episode and I'm giving you that out right now. Um, but I do want to talk today about the idea of performance versus aesthetics because that does come up in my questions or my Q&As a lot or when people want me to talk about things. And I, I recognize that a lot of people genuinely do have fat loss or body recomposition. I like that word a little bit better, goals. Um, but they also are drawn to my page or my content because of the fact that I'm very performance fake focused. And so I, I want to acknowledge that I really love creating a space where we are all very much performance focused and start to look at fitness through a different lens. But I'm not ignorant to the fact that people, you know, want to improve body composition and that improved body composition also can mean things like improved muscle mass. And that is something that I am very, very pro. And so, you know, in the world of fitness, there's this argument or conversation of performance versus aesthetics and which one can you have and this and that. And there is going to be some conflict there, but a component of physical fitness um, can be body composition. And, you know, body composition does matter for performance. The degree to which it matters might be somewhat overinflated, but it is a component of your overall physical fitness and health or whatever that is. And I, I know it's a touchy subject. So again, I want to remind you that body composition is not only fat composition, but also muscle composition and the ratio between those. Um, and that, you know, when we think of body composition, it is a ratio, right? You know, there is absolute fat mass and there's absolute lean mass, but we're thinking about a ratio and relationship there. But a lot of people think of that as just like, oh my gosh, you're saying the fat mass, but it is also the muscle mass. I'm really going to reiterate that a lot today. Um, um, and, you know, are these impossible to pursue simultaneously or can you can you look good and move good and feel good? Right. And so, you know, I think the reason that this becomes such a conflict is because the industry, if specifically the fitness industry, can sometimes be so you know, much regurgitated bodybuilding from especially like when early Instagram adapters, fitness lovers. I feel like when I got into fitness, you know, in college, um, and through my master's, that was still when it was like everyone was kind of bodybuilding still, whether they were competing or they were just like doing bodybuilding style training, that doing anything but that seemed absolutely like outrageous. Like it was ludicrous, right? And so, you know, as we've merged past that and we have the rise of like CrossFit in hybrid training or, you know, people are more intrigued in like Hydrox and Spartan or, you know, adventure races or all of these things that aren't just like traditional 
throw lifting, we get this idea of like, oh, can we look good and move good? Or do we only have to move good? And there's also that aspect of people who have been spending their entire life, you know, dieting and chasing that rabbit reel of their body looking a certain way who just want to train for fitness just to like work towards things and what they want to do. So I want to start this out by saying that my favorite saying, and I always talk about this is that fitness isn't a look, it is a skill. Irregardless of whether you want to change your body composition or not, your fitness is what you can do. It is a trainable characteristic. It is your work output. It is a skill that you can complete. That is fitness, right? If you don't do any training, but you lose 50 pounds, you're not improving your fitness per se. But if you don't lose any weight, but you start training consistently and you lift a higher back squat, you run a faster mile, you can complete a wad in faster time, you can do more work, you can accomplish the task easier, more efficiently, or you can do more of the task in a set amount of time, that is improved fitness. That is true, independent and irregardless, uh, if that is that a word, regardless Someone's going to nab me. Regardless of your body size, composition, fat mass, muscle mass, whatever that is, doing more work, performing more is improved fitness. Fitness isn't a look. It is a skill. It's how you do things. It's what you can do. You can train that specifically through targeted and specific fitness programming, strength training, cardiovascular training, skill work, whatever it is that you need to develop and refine within your training. You can use those to improve your fitness. Now, You also have a body that is doing those things. And that body is made up of tissue. Largely, when we think about this, we think about fat mass, muscle mass, and then you have bone and then a bunch of water, organs, all those things within your body, soft tissue, whatever. And so you can, however, through that physical training, either decrease your fat mass or increase your muscle mass. There is a huge dietary component to this, but you can also use that training to directly manipulate and change your body. That's largely what we think about when we think about the sport of bodybuilding. You're using diet and exercise targeted specific to manipulate or change the body's look or composition or development or whatever that is. But that isn't only owned by bodybuilding, right? When we think about people who do things like CrossFit or hybrid athletes or athletes in general, they have a wide variety of body types, right? We're not just thinking about one lean muscular specific body type here. There's a wide variety of body types here, but they tend to look fit or athletic, right? And I think the thing that is missing in some other places where people are like, well, I'm doing CrossFit or I'm running a lot or I'm very active and very fit is that you're forgetting the muscle lifting component of that, that bodybuilding does have when it comes to thinking about improving body composition or refining this. And so when we have this conversation of performance versus aesthetic, you can also say the same thing of people who potentially only lift, but their body size or shape doesn't really change a whole bunch, but they're getting stronger, right? They're improving that trait or characteristic, but they're maybe not changing body composition along with this. I don't want to say that lifting automatically is the thing that's going to lead to this because by default, the improvement in skill and neural adaptations of that don't necessarily require a change in body composition until maybe you get to a certain point. So when it comes to, you know, looking at our fitness as a performance versus body composition goals or aesthetics, we can have both but it's going to be largely driven by diet, right? What we eat, how we eat, when we eat, calories in, calories out, people hate that, and using those as tools of manipulation to support our body composition or our training. Sometimes these go hand in hand, right? You can do a really hard, high, intense 
focused only on your work performance, your power output, or the objective that you're training for, but have your nutrition really dialed in and your body composition can change. Or you can train really hard for an objective and kind of not really have that as dialed in. Your body kind of stays the same and still get better. Both these things can be true. But when we think about looking towards a performance goal while also favoring aesthetics or looking at that as well, you know, that's where we're really going to have to dial in that dietary component. It doesn't necessarily have to mean energy deficits or restriction. It can be as simple as just increasing your protein intake, tracking that and maintaining that and skewing your carbohydrate ratio more towards your training. So higher and pulling back fats a little bit so you can allow yourself to fuel that appropriately while not overeating you know, fats to bring in more calories so you're able to maintain more of a caloric maintenance while seeking and pursuing those goals. Again, if you don't like diet talk, this isn't going to be the the podcast for you. But when we think about people who are maintaining more aesthetic looking physiques while also pursuing performance-based goals, this is going to be largely driven by the fact that they are eating in a way that supports that and supports body composition, but also training with a component of resistance training as well, right? So when you think about a lot of people who we think characteristically look athletic or more fit, you know, you might not pick the world's most elite marathoner because to you, you might view it as being more fit and muscular, even though they are more fit than anyone listening to this podcast right now, right? When we think about that, we're forgetting that that bias that we're pulling from that usually comes from improving body composition through increased muscle right? We want to be toned. We want to look fit. We want to look athletic. We want to improve the way our body fits in our clothes or do things like that. It's largely going to be coming from developing muscle tissue, right? And that's why the dietary component is so important because you have to have adequate protein to do that and recover and build that tissue. Um, And you also need that adequate carbohydrate to sustain and support the activity that you're doing, especially if you're doing that resistance training alongside higher volumes of cardio or hybrid type training, which many of you are doing. And so you have to develop muscle tissue to give your body that shape that you are looking for. You have to improve your body composition by driving up that muscle tissue mass. Whether you have fat to lose or you're naturally more lean, you know, regardless of that, we all benefit from gaining and increasing muscle tissue. And that is a huge piece of the puzzle when we think of body composition. And when we think about our performance and athletic goals, usually that muscle aids in our favor. We're already doing that. And so if we're going to get the most bang out of our buck from the time we spend in the gym and we want to recover and develop that muscle tissue, which we should be doing because of health, longevity, and performance, we want to be making sure that we are eating enough protein and energy to support that in our training, right? And so that is one piece of a puzzle. I think I think I get this from a lot more runners who are like, okay, well, I do all this running, but I, I don't look fit and athletic. Like you probably just need to develop muscle tissue, just like women who, you know, want to be toned and they want that look. What they mean is they just want muscle tissue. It is the, the same thing, right? And then similarly within this conversation, then we have the question of leanness and energy deficits and getting to that point. And how does that fit in within our idea of performance pursuits, right? And so- you know, if you are someone who has a goal of fat loss or improving body composition through leanness, whether that's while gaining or maintaining muscle mass, that is when, you know, the diet component starts to get even more specific to that training, right? Again, body composition can be a 
component of athletic performance or athletic goals, right? And so I really don't want to give the impression with this episode that I'm giving people like permission to diet while doing high volumes of training. We'll talk about that here in a second. But we can factor in and consider body composition here as well. And so if you are somebody whose desire is to have a performance goal, but maybe you have a, you know, a significant amount of adipose tissue that you personally have chosen that you would like to lose, um, or you're someone who feels like you maybe don't have a ton of muscle, but you have some more fat than you would like, and you want to find a happy medium with that, that is where, again, the dietary component is going to come into play, right? And can you eat an energy deficit? Is it harmful? Is it going to impact your performance? Because you are going to, at some point in time, have to do some sort of diet cycle or like dial in your calories and nutrition overall to be more tight so you're able to keep your weight within certain parameters or your body composition within certain parameters because weight can shift with muscle gain and loss and all that stuff um, while also focusing on your performance goals. And so, you know, within this, the biggest question is, can I eat a deficit while also pursuing X, Y, and Z goals? And the answer is, it depends, right? You guys hate that, but that's always the answer. And so, When we're thinking about these things, when you have a very high volume, high specific, high output, high demanding goal of your training, that is probably not the time to enter into a deficit, right? That's probably not the time that you're like, you know what, I'm going to cut my calories because I don't want to gain weight or lose weight or whatever it is when you're at that high peak of that, right? But you can look at maintaining your weight. You can focus on maintaining your weight or, you know, lessening the amount of weight you're gaining. I mean, in general, my advice to people, whether you're in a heavy, hard training cycle, is not to just gorge yourself. It's to eat for the activity and what your body needs to recover. Um, Eat more if you're more hungry or needing more. But like, you don't need to be like, you know, dirty bulking or gorging yourself if you're training for a race, unless you want to, you're an adult with autonomy, you can do whatever you want, but you can maintain within parameters of that. But that does require a little bit more focus to making sure that, you know, your intake is, you know, within line with your hunger, which is within line with your recovery and what you're actually needing um, to meet those goals. For people who are new to fitness or just starting out or you're just starting running or you're just starting for a race goal or you're just starting for things, you have to ask yourself how big of the thing that you're working towards is and how stressful it is on your body and if that is the right time to also compound that with a deficit, right? And so for some people, if you're just adding an activity and you've developed the habit and you feel good about it and it feels sustainable, like you don't need to stop exercising to go into an energy deficit. I think that's sometimes the impression people give. It's when you're suddenly spiking or increasing your volume, like training for a marathon is not the time to go into energy deficit, right? Like you're like a marathon is not a diet plan. I think Sarah Tierney, my friend who has great content around these things, like she's said that I'm stealing that from her, but it's true. It's not a diet plan for you. You still need to spend the time focusing on that performance goal and maybe table that body recomposition goal for an off season type thing. The messy middle podcast will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Legion athletics. Legion is a supplement company that I align with myself with, and for good reason. They're third-party tested, which means that every single thing that they are giving you in their ingredients list is all they're giving you and nothing else when contamination is really high across the industry. Not only that, but their ingredients are dosed and based off what the current scientific literature suggests for the most optimal dosing for whatever the supplement may be. 
Beyond that, they keep their supplement line simple and it allows me to have both performance and health supporting supplements that allow me to support both of my goals. Things like protein and creatine, pre-workout or fish oil, magnesium, vitamin D, all things that I take every single day to help support myself both in and out of the gym. If you want to shop Legion, you can use my code DOCLIS and save 20% off your first order or double points for reoccurring customers. For all current sales, check out my Instagram where I share those every single week or my email list linked in the show notes below. Are you struggling with your hybrid training? You don't know quite how to pair cardio with your lifting or lifting with your running, and it feels really frustrating to figure this out on your own. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by me and my programs, The List Method. If you haven't checked it out yet, The List Method is my signature training system that allows you to have hybrid style training on your terms, which means it isn't one size fits all. We help you find the lifting program that fits your life and your goals and pair with the running or cardio options that make the most sense for the goals that you have. You don't have to be a runner, but you can do both in the gym and we will get you there. To learn more, head to the link in the show notes or the bio below or head to www.doclistfitness.com slash the list method to learn more. So this is where I think that people think, well, if I want to train for performance, I can never improve my body composition. I can't focus on these things. And we know I love a season's approach. And this is where I think that if these are goals that you have for yourself, you know, maybe you take a break from training for a marathon training cycle or events or CrossFit events or powerlifting meets to spend a period of time, you know, where do you need to develop or refine things? Do you need to spend a significant amount of time building muscle mass because your issue is that you actually just lack muscle and you, you know, you don't need to be in a diet or in a deficit or you're resisting your food, you really just need to be spending that time building muscle in order to get the the physique or the look or the aesthetic that you're going for. Maybe you just lack muscle, right? Um, I think that's the biggest conversation I've had with female students when we do body composition labs is they'll be so upset because their body percent is high. And I have to explain to them it's not because their fat mass is high, which necessarily wouldn't be a bad thing. You know, females need fat or people need fat in general. But it's that muscle is low. So, you know, do you need to spend a significant and like off-season based time focused on developing that muscle tissue so you have that underlying, you know, shape that you are looking for with what you are doing? Um, Or do you need to take a time where you are maintaining or maintaining at a lower level the volume of the training that you're doing so that you can specifically and intentionally go into that deficit of what you were looking to enter into in a way that is still recoverable and you're not, you know, combating either excess hunger um, or, you know, the excess stress of exercise and that compounded together. And, you know, intentionally doing that alongside a coach, I have a list of suggested nutrition professionals that I can think you can kind of do this with in a more appropriate way is when I would recommend that, right? There are times where maybe you need to lose fat or improve body composition or refine that when going into something like a competition or a race. Um, But that, you know, reserving that is for probably more elite people who are maybe cutting for a weightlifting meet or, you know, you're at the beginning of a season as an athlete and that's something that you're working on with a sports nutrition dietitian. But for most of you, your performance is going to improve by doing more quality work in the gym or the roads or your run or your training than it is going to be per se by losing body fat. Now, there is a component of the conversation where people who might have more fat mass might benefit per se by being leaner or sometimes there is a body weight ratio to, you know, exercise economy and things like that. But when we think about that, we're really thinking about people who like those 
pounds matter way more than us average people where that's not make or breaking our performance our quality of training and how much training we can get in and recovery within our life is probably more of a like a detriment to us um and it also ignores the fact that muscle tissue can allow us to perform better even though it weighs more and is denser right so there's a lot of nuance this conversation within this but if you are someone you know who does have a more significant fat loss goal and you're training for something you know it's it's okay to table that but it might be okay okay for you to, you know, not eat in a surplus during that time. It might be fine to maintain or do a slight deficit. Um, and then as, you know, your energy demands increase, just kind of tabling that for a moment during that early onset of things, or just focusing on that deficit while refining your performance where it's at. And then for many of you, it's like, this is this the season or the time for this? Are you training for a marathon? Are you training for a trail race? Are you training for a triathlon? Are you training for a meet? Um, or are you dieting? right? Asking yourself that and having that question. So if you're someone who's doing high volumes of training all year round, this isn't to say like, like oh, you never can go in a deficit. But for many of you, I would work as, work through seasons, like I talked about with hybrid training and figuring out, identifying periods of time where you're going to focus on that. But then you know, throughout that training, really keeping an eye on your protein intake and calories within reason. I'm not saying be obsessive, but like making sure you're eating enough to develop muscle tissue or you're not drifting to this land of overeating where it supersedes what you personally want out of your your body composition with your training. Um, and doing a little bit of hypertrophy all the time. That's like my favorite thing to say for many people is like, even if you're just strictly focused on powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting or, you know, you know, cardio based modes, racing, endurance, doing a little bit of hypertrophy all the time within that. So you're always, you're not, you know, only doing this a little bit a few months a year, but you're kind of focusing on all the time, but then having a dedicated period of time to really cash in on that if you want to be doing that. Same thing when it comes to entering into a deficit. So, um, I don't talk about this a lot on social media or anything because I don't really ever diet or go into deficits, but I did do a DEXA at the beginning of March of this year when I was still at my postdoc. And this was after I had basically spent two, two and a half years um, eating in a surplus, bulking, you know, developing muscle. I leaned out a little bit when I race trained last fall, which I always know I lean out um, just due to the energy demands of that. You know, but I did my DEXA and I was like, okay, like I'm in a place right now where I would like to preserve my muscle mass, but I would like to get maybe more closely to the point of which my body more, more so likes to sit out without me kind of eating excessively or extra, like more than that intentionally. And so I kind of went into what would be considered a cut. I would consider it more of like, I just went back to my more natural maintenance and hung out there. But the, the thing is that, you know, while I was doing this, this is a period of time where my volume was pretty much maintained. I was in a base building phase of my race training. I wasn't really like pushing my volume of my running. I was kind of maintaining my lifting was pretty like I was kind of either returning back to lifting so my volume was just going back to what I could do or was still kind of in a normal sustainable recoverable place and so I decided like this would be a really good time if I'm going to try to lean out a little bit and prove my body composition there while preserving muscle um to do this but I did it in like the like so much of a little bit of a deficit that it almost didn't feel like I was doing it because I still really wanted to focus on my performance. And I think that's really key for people is like, if you want to still focus on your performance outcomes, but you're looking about body composition in some way or another, um, is like, how low can you go is not the way to do it. It's like, how little can you do? Right. So for me, I use the my macro 
or macro factor app, which I did intentionally track my food pretty consistently while tracking my body weight to look how it changed over time. And I think that I lost or leaned out or decreased. Well, granted, my cardio volume was increasing. Um, <clears throat> I want to say like five to seven pounds over the course of like three to five months now consistently. Like we're talking like the world's smallest deficit. Like really all it was was just me dialing in my nutrition and being more tightly regulated with it than it and not ordering my food out all the time than it really was anything within that. Um, but for me, that was a personal choice. You know, I really want to preserve my muscle, but I knew that I had like bulked or increased intentionally to a point where like it, it was just either not sustainable for me or I just didn't, you know, feel like I can move the way I wanted to move within my training and the gym, you know, at that. And it's a touchy subject to say that like, oh, I weighed more than I'd like to weigh. But for me, I was just carrying more mass than I wanted to, to, to carry within that. Um, and I knew I was in a place where I had intentionally set time aside to really develop muscle tissue, to just kind of go back to where my body likes to sit. So that's true recomposition there where I increase muscle mass and then you know, increase fat mass with that, but then pull that fat mass back down. So that's kind of a season's approach to that. Um, where now that my weight's gotten to a lower point that I'm actually at a point where I'm like, okay, no, like I don't, I don't want that. I need to eat a little bit extra the next few days because I'm, I've hyper swung where I think is good for my body to be. And you have to be really smart and strategic about that because that weight fluctuations can also be an indication that you're under eating for performance. And so I do track that pretty closely and make sure there was no big weight fluctuations. Um, and I kind of stop that. Um, once I got to a point where I was like, okay, great. Awesome. My training volume's increasing. We're not decreasing that anymore. And then that hyper swing drop I saw this past week, simply coming off my elopement trip where I was probably under eating and overactivity this week. I'm like, okay, we're going to eat a little bit more because the goal right now is to peak my performance, not to lean out, not to lose more weight. Like that was an early spring base build type goal. Um, for now that that can't happen so I have to really assess those hyper swings so one thing that I think that people struggle with when they add in cardio or endurance however is this you know this increased drive to eat and feeling like you gain weight or your body composition gets worse while you're training and again you don't have to track everything you eat but something that I think is happening here that people don't realize is happening is one you're either losing your appetite or having like less of an appetite because of the reroute of blood from your stomach during endurance exercise or the hormones that are released within the gut that kind of suppress that a little bit um, and some people do have increased hunger. That's I'm not to say that everyone has decreased hunger, but there is some sort of a suppression response there. And so you really have to make sure that you are eating enough protein during these things. I think that's huge, especially for recovery and maintaining that muscle mass, especially if your running volume is increasing, you're putting yourself into an energy deficit all the time. You really want to make sure you're providing your body with protein adequately, like spaced across the day around your runs and workouts and your lifts all that time. You know, two, making sure that you're maintaining lifting a little bit of hypertrophy all the time during that race training phase. That's why we like hybrid training. You don't have to do the most, but you do need to do some to keep and maintain that. And you want to focus on eating in a way that doesn't decrease that muscle mass and, you know, keeping enough intensity in your lifting, even if your volume's down to kind of preserve that or continue to build that. Um, and then another thing that I don't think people realize happens is that, you know, if you're not tracking your food, you might not, not be aware of this, but, you know, you might start to eat more satiating foods that are a little bit higher in fat to, you know, fill in your caloric needs. But then if you're not, you know, intentionally eating enough strict carbs, that's why I'm such a proponent of like a more high carb intake, especially during these high volumes of endurance training and running, is that 
when you're not doing that, your body still needs those carbs. So if your glycogen stores are depleted or your liver glycogen is depleted and you're not repleting that adequately, you know, with the carbs in your diet, so you're not bringing enough to also recover and replenish and top off those stores, right? Because your body's going to use what you're eating in your diet to recover and maintain your basal activity every day. But if you're not then refilling those glycogen stores and those liver stores, you might have increased drive for hunger. And that, you know, that decrease in your glycogen stores might lead to you feeling like hypoglycemic or bonky or wonky or feeling like really hungry and then overcompensating by eating more to 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 sustain that need that your body wants or craving sugary stuff or all of these things but you might be already getting to your caloric intake through the fat and protein that you're eating in your diet but then because of your cravings or your need for recovery or replenishment of those glycogen stores you start eating more to match that so that's why I think even if you don't track your food it's more important during those race training seasons you know from a performance perspective to make sure you're eating enough strict carbs and by strict carbs I mean like potatoes breads wheats grains you know fruits fruit juices sugar carbs whatever you want to think of within in that um potatoes my favorite because you're going to need that for activity and so you're not bonking and feeling terrible all the time you might be eating enough but you might not be eating in a way that's skewing the carbohydrate needs that your body needs to sustain that activity but doing so as well will help kind of to some degree maintain your body composition during that phase of training um, because you might be eating enough calories and recovering and you're not going to be as hungry because you're bringing in the carbs that your body needs to sustain that activity right so that's where these things kind of start to go hand in hand so performance focused food um, can be very similar to aesthetic focused food the difference is going to be the amounts and so when you get to the tail end of racing or training or you're peaking for something or you're doing a high volume thing you're preparing for a meet you know it isn't abnormal to gain a little bit of weight or fat mass and that's just because your caloric need is really high and I think this is where the conversation is hard because you're not going to maintain bodybuilding level leanness while having these high performance goals you're usually not going to do this um you know, you can become a leaner version of yourself than maybe you normally are at these performance-based goals of years and phases of training and, you know, diet cycles or, you know, improving your meal composition and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, you might have to sit at a slightly higher level of fat or higher body fat percentage than you would personally prefer to, to make sure your body has the energy or, you know, the fat mass that it needs to sustain, support, and recover your training. And this is especially true for endurance or female athletes so male athletes that do endurance or high volumes that stuff are at risk of low energy availability too but when we think about this with especially female athletes who are more at risk of this like these energy deficits that you're already in from training and across the day and or like you know if you're restricting your food on top of that all of that stuff can really add up and lead to suppressed cycles or bone loss or muscle loss or decreased performance so we really have to watch that line like there's this idea that lighter is better and lighter is faster and that isn't true healthy is better healthy is faster and you know having some extra mass on your body because you're developing muscle tissue can one give you the look that you're you're going for um but it also can you know improve your metabolism metabolic health and performance while still being at a heavier weight we talked about that before but we you know we don't want to have leanness at the cost of performance and we do not want leanness at the cost of health I've talked about this before that I personally always sit at a point with a little bit more fat than maybe a lot of other maybe fit or athletic people 
you know, that do similar things to me do. Because for me, it allows me to eat in an amount that I can recover and do the activities that I want to do um, without sacrificing my health or my performance along the way. And you might have to have a difficult conversation with yourself of that health versus performance thing and what you actually want. Because to some degree, the level of leanness that you might have in your head of what you want to be versus the performance goals you have, they might be in conflict. But there is probably a degree of what you can improve body composition within your 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 health or fitness journey or you know athletic pursuits that can complement or work with your performance goals. But it's once we start getting into that sub 20% for females and sub 15% for males, we have to start having more honest conversations with ourselves about what it will look like to take to get there. And if that's worth the energy deficit and its conflict within our performance, or if it would improve that performance for us, we, you know, that might be a possibility, but you know, these things don't have to be completely divorced from each other. Um, they're not taboo, you know, body recomposition is a goal for many, but that doesn't mean you have to forego performance-based goals, but you still need to do the fitness required to achieve those. You still need to eat in a way that supports it, but you can also eat in a way that supports your body composition or take times dedicated to improving that, whether through increased muscle um, or targeting fat loss um, or, you know, vice versa, or just eating at maintenance for an extended period of time while really pushing your training and allowing yourself to eat enough to recover while also improving that composition more slowly, which might be a more favorable option for many of you over time. So, you know, again, fitness isn't a look, it is a skill, but you can look muscular or lean and be fit at the same period of time. But how muscular and how lean depends on what you personally choose to do, you know, how much training you want to do, your diet. Um, composition, amounts, all of that stuff, your recovery, but also how much of that conflicts with the actual performance that you have, right? So it's not that you can't have both to some degree. Um, I know that that would, I'm, I'm lean and fit. Um, I could be fitter and I could be leaner, but you know, that's a choice within ourselves of which we can make. Um, and it's not bad to have fat mass. It's not bad to choose to not diet. It's not bad to choose to focus only on performance. I mean, you know, Sarah, my friend who I quoted earlier said once when she shared my page, she's never seen me diet. And honestly, the small energy deficit I won in the spring was probably the first time I've done that in like five years. I really don't. I'm the queen of maintenance and hovering around where I'm at. But I went through that bulking phase for a while there. And I was like, okay, like I'm at a point where I think I've reached a good amount of muscle tissue to support me. And like I can maintain through this next big season of ultra push. And that was an intentional choice I made. But I don't want you guys to think it's because I thought I was fat or I didn't like my body or anything. It was just like, hey, kind of just want to go back to where I feel like my body sits a little bit easier um, within these goals. And, you know, you can make that same choice for yourself or you can choose to say, hey, this isn't for me or focus on just improving your performance and eating for a while. And, you know, the magic really does happen there. And you might be really surprised how much your body composition improves or your physical changes are a byproduct of just focusing on eating really well for recovery and performance and training really hard and just allowing that to, you know, potentially alter your body. And sometimes bodies don't change with increased training or fitness or any of those things. And that's okay too. And that doesn't make you bad or broken. Um, but if you do decide that that is something that you are, is important to you or you want to pursue, there might be some adjustments that you need to make specifically when it comes to, you know, the, you know, increasing your resistance training or manipulating your diet along the way. So again, I know this can be a sensitive topic for many. I try to, you know, add as much nuance to this as I can. Cause I, but I also know that, you know, 
people are going to pursue these things anyway. So I think it's worth having an honest conversation about how these things can occur within each other and being smart and practical and not, you know, dieting while training for a marathon, but also knowing that you can be a marathon runner and potentially have some sort of body recomposition goals. They just might not be at the same time or, you know, fill in X, Y, or Z sport, bodybuilding, powerlifting, CrossFit, whatever it is, all of these things where these conversations do come up and we can't ignore the fact that there is a lot of body dysmorphia and negative body image and maybe skewed or false perceptions of what an ideal body looks like in these places. And all bodies can perform and do these things. You know, you don't have to change your body to qualify to, as being an athlete or fitting into sport or improving or gaining fitness. Fitness isn't a look, it is a skill at the end of the day. But if you have performance and aesthetic goals, this is kind of the best approach and advice I can give you around that and how to think about those within your own training. So if you enjoy this episode, um, let me know in the comments if this is something you struggle with or, you know, you've chosen one path versus the other. That's totally okay. You know, let me know. Let's have a conversation. The only thing I ask is that like nobody comes kicking and screaming at me because you don't like that I had a conversation around body composition when you are adamantly against any body changes whatsoever. That is okay. And I'm totally in support of that, especially if that's your choice. But we can't ignore that people are going to pursue these things. And we can give them the best advice and guidance we can to do it in a way that isn't going to harm them long term, right? We do know that there's high risk of eating disorders within sport, low energy availability, all of these things, and that people of all shapes and sizes are at risk for them. Um, So we do need to be weary and cautious of this. If tracking isn't for you, that is fine. If worrying about this stuff isn't for you, that is fine. If you want to take an intuitive eating approach to your training, I think that is fantastic. And if you want to work on specific body composition changes while, you know, having long-term goals within things, and that's okay too, if you are in the headspace to pursue that. Um, but we're all individuals with autonomy who can choose what is best for us um, and choose what we need and take and leave that along the way. So again, I know it's a touchy subject, but I get asked about it a lot. So I wanted to open up that conversation here today. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, go ahead and rate, review, subscribe um, on all the platforms that you are at. Otherwise, I will catch you guys on the next one. I'll see you later. Bye.